in the big book, they brought it back to this one point, and they said it was the root of our troubles, which was obsession with self, being excessively concerned with self, was the root of our troubles, yeah. This selfishness, self-centeredness will kill us unless it's given over, and then basically you can't do it yourself, so you have to seek a power greater than yourself to assist you in that situation, to change that format. Yeah, because obviously self can't get out of self. That's one of the things people discover. And you go, why? Why can't self get out of self? You know, why can't I get out of self? Yeah. But that's different. I is out of self. But the I identified as a self is not out of self. That's self trying to get out of self. That's the dilemma. If you realize or entertain you are not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, that's what you would call getting out of self. So, you'll never get out of self as a self, but you're out of self as an I. Yeah? I meaning consciousness or spirit. So, when the first feeling comes over a body, or all through the day, there's this feeling of you, in a sense, yes? You feel like it's you. While you're sensing that you're alive, or you're on, this, that gets interpreted that it's you that's alive and on. Yeah? Seems like a natural reaction. Yeah? So, something becomes aware, is conscious of being on, and then it assumes that it's, I'm the, I'm on. Yeah? Sounds like a good thing. Okay? Recognition on this, and then it recognizes on this and says, I'm on. Yeah? Alright? But that's where this something occurs. Because when it says, I'm on, the I isn't the I of spirit, it's the me of a body. Yeah? So the mental process which produces the sense of being a self, which that's what it's doing right now, takes the I, or the consciousness, or the spirit, to be me, a body. Yeah? So now, the I, which is subjectivity, let's say, and subjectivity is expressing itself in the seeing of the hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Yeah? the reflecting or the awareness of that conscious contact, yes, that's the I. Yeah, yeah. So right now, all of us are having the same experience. I is seeing, yeah. Sonny, if he would say, who's seeing, he would say, I'm seeing, yes. You would say, I'm seeing. Z would say, I'm seeing. Deb would say, I'm seeing. Everyone here is, would say the same thing, I'm seeing, yeah. And then I would be saying, I'm seeing you. And the same thing, the I seeing there is seeing another you called me. Yeah? Yeah? That's what's occurring right now. So I'm seeing, the seeing happening, and I'm seeing you called Mark. Yes? Now, when you ask myself, if I'd ask myself, or the mind would ask itself, well, who's seeing? It would say, I'm seeing. Yeah? And then if you ask it again, well, who is this I? It would probably say me. Yeah? This is such a beautiful demonstration of it. Instead of having thousands of pages of explanation, you can see it. The recognition is I is correct. I is seeing. But then when you ask the I, or <laughs> when you ask, when, when, the, when the mind asks itself, who is the I? It says it's me. Yeah? Now, it seems like it's very semantically very close, I and me. But it's heaven and earth. It's the difference between heaven and earth, literally. Because if I am seeing, 
Yeah? Then there's a recognition that all seeing is being issued from I. Yeah? So in a sense, there's only, I wouldn't say even one, but there's only subjectivity looking out of all of us. Yeah? But when the mind asks itself, it recognizes the I, but when it says, you ask it, who is the I? It says it's me. Yeah? And me is just a you. Identified. Yeah? That's all it is. I take myself to be just like what I'm seeing. Not the exact thing, but a body. Yeah? So that body, because it's not me, I call it you. And there's millions of yous to this one me. Yeah. <laughs> but if you looked at it, at the same time I'm saying you, the same, the same I is seeing me as a you. So from the point of view of where Mark is sitting, I'm you. Yeah. From the point of view where I'm sitting, Mark's you. <laughs> yeah. So in a sense, to the one eye that's seeing, we're all yous. Literally. We are all yous. We're all objects to the subject of I seeing. Every one of us. But when you ask the mental, when the mental process asks the question, well, who is this subject? Yes? Which has been demonstrated in the seeing. Who is it? It makes a little bit of a mistake called being identified as a self. It says it's me, meaning a body. Yeah? But actually, in the experience of the I from Greg's point of view, this body is obviously a you. It is not the I. Because it's I seeing. Yeah? So I is having a very clear description, experience of what's going on here. I is seeing you. But this, at this position, I take the you to be me. So the object, <laughs> the object of seeing, which is this, becomes the subject of seeing. You can't believe the difference in that. It is heaven and hell. Literally. So the head, the mental process, claims the seeing, claims the I-ness, claims the on-ness, and uses that to verify that it's me, which is a body. So now it takes the only true living experience here, which is I, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, yes, and it claims it and makes it verify the sense that it's me, a body. So the body is now given the mantle of being the doer, the seer, the liver, the haver, yes? So now all the other functions that, be, that you are aware of are now under the category of things that you do. Yeah? So now the seeing is I'm seeing. Hearing is I'm hearing. Even thinking is I'm thinking. It's insane. What a leap yeah, to claim that. And yet you don't have seemingly any power of the thinking. Yet you believe you're the doer of it. <laughs> I mean, it's insane, isn't it? So, so alright, so what happens? Now the I has been conveniently, it can't be erased, but it's been covered over. And now all of that awareness, all of that living is now I'm living. So instead of experiencing life as happening, you take life as happening to you, which is called self-centeredness.
when everything is seen as if, as if it pertains to you, that's called self-centeredness. It's a mental point of view. It's not, it's something that's going on here, but it's not what's going on here. What's going on here is seeing, yeah? But what happens is what we're living by is the interpretation of the conditional mind of the seeing into I'm the one that's doing it. Yeah? And then, as soon as you become an object, as soon as you become a subjectified object, in other words, you believe you're the subject, but you're identified as an object, then the mental process, which is thinking, 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 thinking. Yeah? And the only way this system of thought portrays you is as a body. When you think about yourself in the past, you think of, about yourself as a body. When you're worrying about yourself in the future, what's going to happen to you in the future, the you that is presented by that thought is a body. So now the mental process has an object that it can obsess over at some other time and some other, some other place than now. So it makes up time. Yeah? Because as a body, this body can be remembered somewhere else at some other time. You can't remember this space being anywhere else. Oh, I've seen this space on 5th and uh, Irving, you know. I, I recognize the space that's in this building. No, you, don't, you can't say where the freight freaking space has come from. You can't think about space. <laughs> but a body, a body, the mind can use this object and place it somewhere else, which is, let's say, at your job or at the hospital, at some other time, and then do what? Think about it. Think about it. And what happens is, there's consciousness, so your consciousness is now wedded to seeing all the thoughts and all the feelings that are generated by being occupied with you as a body at some other time and some other place. And yet the only place is now and the only time is now, and this is the only place you can feel anything, and so the feelings that we're having are being generated by thoughts about what's not happening. <laughs> it's incredible. So when I, res when I think I respond to something, it's a reaction from memory. Just like in recovery, they say resentment, which means to re-feel. Every feeling is a re-feeling. Every one of them is a re-feeling. Every one of them is a re-thinking. It just goes over and over and over again. Because it has an object that it can place anywhere, at any time, and think about it. Yeah? And feel about it. And worry about it. And wonder about it. Yeah? It's like a... It's like a an object of fascination. Yeah. The mind has got a perfect object of fascination. It's quite interested in it because it thinks it's, that's what I am. So it now the mind just transports it different places, different relationships, different times, different states, different countries, different this, different that. And what does it do? It thinks a lot <laughs> about it. And it feels a lot about it. And so when something happens now, the reaction is from a memory. Yeah? 
That thing only reminds the mind of something. It doesn't respond, it reacts. Yeah? A response would be, I'm not that. A reaction is, oh, a refeeling. Yeah? A rethinking, a relooping of thought. And there's no way self can get out of self. Because self's the center of the whole system. Without that object to be thinking about, what would your mind do? How would it go back into three years ago? You're not going back three years ago about many other people, are you? Mostly about your body, really. Maybe a body that you'd like to have next to your body you're worried about or thinking about. Usually, you're not thinking about 800 different bodies. You're picturing you somewhere in the past, yeah? What would happen if you weren't identified as a body? What would the mind do then? It would have absolutely no interest in going into that little damp, dead little fucking hallway. Yeah? <laughs> and it would definitely have no interest if it realized what it's who it's worrying about in the future isn't even going to be you. Your whole personality is going to be different. Do you have the same personality you had when you were four years old? So basically, the person you're worrying about isn't even going to be what you think is you 20 years from now. <laughs> so really, in a sense, you're worrying about absolutely nothing. And truly, that's actually what's happening. It doesn't mean, oh, well, you've got a plan. Plan away. Planning is something that happens in, with you. All we're saying is, in this situation that we seem to be in, you can travel a whole lot lighter if you would just look at what's the center of the whole system. If the center changes, guess what? The system will change. If the center doesn't change, all the thing is is trying to get relief from the effects of the system. But they're all coming from the system themselves. So how do you get lasting relief if you're using the solutions of the inherent problem? Yes, have you had that in your life? You go home and think about it, what happens? It's like two rabbits spawn about 30 other problems in the bedroom. Like the last thing you want to do is, oh, I'm going to go home and sit by myself and think about this. Fucking do not. Go to a movie, do something. Do not go home and think about it. You're, the, the, the problem is now going to apply itself to what's appearing to be a problem to it, not knowing that's the bigger problem. Your solutions are the biggest fucking problems. All we're dealing with now are the effects of our own solutions. Here. What was drinking? Was the first solution I had to alcoholism. I was feeling uncomfortable for a lot of, you know, a couple of years, and I was just chomping at the bits for something that would give me some relief. And it was beer. I drank beer, and I didn't care what that girl meant by saying hello to me. Do you think anything was going to stop me from getting more of that? Do you think consequences were going to stop me? Punishment? No, I needed a suitable replacement. The dis-ease overrode anything. Punishment, you know, prison sentences, anything. As soon as I got out of jail, I got loaded again. There was no learning from anything. Because one thing was an imperative. I don't feel good. I feel uncomfortable in my own skin. I really have this incredible sense of unease. I want relief. That's the imperative. So, where did I go to? To my Greek oracle. I was identified as it. I said, old wise one, tell me what to do. And of course it has tons of ideas. Called, it, it plays out in something they call recovery. 
uh, life run on self-will will hardly be a success. That's basically a, 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 actually a very soft description of it. Yeah. So yeah, the alarms go off. The fire, the fire department that the fire department that answers the call brings gasoline. They said they lit the fire to begin with. <laughs> How are you going to get any relief? Long last we have been so conditioned, we don't even know what a solution is anymore. We're taking things that work for a fair bit of time. I remember I used to go to Thailand and sit for three weeks, 12 hours a day meditating. And I'd have tons of spiritual experiences, but the basic bottom line was it was totally aggravating. I'd lose like a pound a day. I'd have one soup at like 8.30 in the morning. (laughs) Mosquitoes in the room I was in. You know, 13 hours. They had young monks there that they get, it's like going to summer camp. They had ghetto blasters. They were wearing the robes with these incredible... uh, Things with the, the rubber band and the wood slingshots, but like super turbo. And they'd be hitting my little, like, tin hut with these things. Boom! Boom! While you're sitting there. Boom! And they had their little two-speed, mo- I mean, two-stroke motorbikes to drive around, smoking cigarettes. They had these dogs. Every time the bells went, it was like dogs from hell. They'd all start moaning. Oh! Karaoke down the street. Planes flying to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> when, am, when, when am I going to get delivered the goods? How much more do I need from this suffering? Then I feel really high for a day or two. Then you get back to town and it'd be psh, gone. So what does the head immediately think? Well, i got to do a longer retreat. That's its solution. It's just got to be longer. i got to do extreme Buddhism. You know, like, like super turbocharged Buddhism. That will do it. No, it won't. It will if it does, but if it doesn't, it won't. Yeah? But we, we never get off the dead horse. We just keep resuscitating it, thinking the next time it will work. You know, it's a failed system. If you know anything about recovery, it says it there. Why do you have so much fear right now? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? Self-reliance is a failed system. When consciousness, or every, whatever you want to call yourself, all those are names, they don't mean anything. But let's just say, whatever you are, whatever that may be, if it's relying on the system called self, which means the system is implying you're a body, if it's relying on that, it seems to be a failed system. Because its own nature gets forgotten in the identification of what it's not. So it starts from a point that no matter what it does as a body, it's never going to erase the fact that it isn't a body. All it's trying not to be a body just reaffirms the fact that it believes it's a body. So then, okay, seeking, all right. Everyone was seeking in the 60s and 70s, and then something happened. It wasn't working well for many people. So now a new idea came in. Non-duality, non-seeking, the seeker is the sort, and all this. And now people are fucking themselves with that. It's never-ending. Whatever their mind in selfing comes in contact with, it will claim it somehow. When it hears that it's not the doer, it will try to be not the doer, which is doing, isn't it? 
Just like, it's, all right, self is the problem, so I'm going to study self for two years. Isn't that actually obsession with self? Studying about it for two freaking years? How can, you can't get out of it. You can't. Because you can't get out of an imaginary problem. It's impossible. You're getting out of an imaginary problem is, and I don't mean you personally, I'm using you as all of us here. I don't want to say you and me, because it just gets too fucking confusing. So, this whole idea, what happened? I just was somewhere to come back. Who was that? It just skipped about five laps. Yeah. 
once you can break that first link to the bondage to self, once you can entertain there isn't truly a link, which is like the breaking of it, the experience of it getting broken is realizing there isn't a link, then your interest and attention gets withdrawn from the mental realm. And you'll see where it's how it's spent after that. Yeah. I don't know how to, what will happen, but I know some of its effects will be an immunity to the thought system. And instead of being always consumed about what's going to happen to you or what did happen to you as a body, you'll be actually maybe aware of the present activity. Which is a, and the present activity or beingness, yes, or existing, or consciousness and contact puts out a certain atmosphere, which is, I feel, they call presence, yeah? And that sense of presence is really what you would call arriving at home, in a sense. When you start sensing that presence, all those great poems and stuff about finally reaching the destination or realizing... I was already at the arrival point, but that feeling of being home or an unspoken yes or just the acknowledgement of something prior to knowing up here, well, that's, those are just indications of something, but it's the sense of presence. Not an, as an experience that you are having, but actually as you. Yeah. If you take yourself to be a, this, yes, then you, maybe every once in a while, will sense presence, but you will think you're having the experience as you as this, which is still the bondage to self. To make presence, which is always available at all times, as an experience, which means it stops and starts, is an incredible drastic reduction in its effects, yes? Something that's always available at all times to be made an experience that you may have if you do certain things right, and if you don't do certain things that were wrong, is really a true freaking act of the mind playing God with what we call God. And the whole program rests on that statement. The how and why of the whole program is to quit playing God. I don't see you can get any farther. You know, that's like an incredible God playing maneuver there, right? That the sense of presence, which is what you are, becomes an experience you may very, very infrequently, quote-unquote, have. <laughs> That's unbelievable. To take everywhere, and so to be able to hide it and disguise it is a mind-boggling maneuver. To be able to be living in everywhere and not sense it. Yeah. Incredible. So I don't know. What I did was nothing, really. But I heard this message, and I entertained it. And AA had my functioning in this life down it's sound principles. So instead of being constantly running off the road and crashing into other cars and cop and court dates, my life got a little more settled, yes? And so now, some other activity could take place. Instead of having to be looking all the time at how to deal with consequences and how to clean up the shit, some of that got taken care of, so now, instead of being constantly looking horizontally, I could look vertically, in a sense. I could start entertaining things, knowing for sure that my life was sound because it was based on sound principles. So what AA offered was just a mere kernel in the beginning of recognition, or like Bill W. says, AA is like spiritual kindergarten. Yeah. So it has, but it's a very sound platform for a lot of ability to entertain. 
Because when your life is totally crazy, when you're on, when you're stuck on like bureaucratic fly paper, like you know, court dates and everything else like that, there's very few people are taking, you know, are enjoying the pause at that time. <laughs> you know what I mean, their mind is working overtime trying to figure out how to manage it, and they don't even see that managing is is what's making life unmanageable. Yeah? <laughs> the incessant managing from the failed system is why life seems unmanageable to us. <laughs> Well, when that gets chilled out, and you have some sound principles, you found what works for you in life here as the action figure, then the mind is free to start entertaining, yeah? But if it's identified as a self, it can't entertain being free of it. It just can't. It just goes against its system's logic. Because you can't entertain being free of who you think you are. That's why people will, maybe they won't drink again, but they shoot themselves in the head. Because they take themselves to be the thing that's driving them crazy. <sighs> but if you entertain, I'm not that, the next thing a mind can do is entertain, I can be free of it. And that's the biggest step, really, is to be able to entertain, you can be free of it. Not try to become free of it as it, but entertain, I'm not it, and that's real freedom from it. Yeah? All that energy, and all that energy to try to get out of self as a self, though very, looking very noble in certain circles, is really fruitless in a way. It's just another form of bondage. But if you entertain, I'm not that, just and start entertaining. See, I'm not the thinker of these freaking thoughts. Or, is this true, how my mind presenting this day to me? Is this true, that I should be really afraid today? Is it? Just ask. It's not saying it isn't true or not. Is it true? Check it out. Start throwing wrenches in the works. And what happens is, the self-thing is a verb, it will stop. And yet something will continue. I would say you are that which continues when the self-thing stops. Yeah? There's something prior to the self-thing. I would say we're more that than what the self-thing presents ourselves to be. I really do. And I think it's pretty, I think almost everyone will get the same hit. It's just a minor little change, but that change produces unbelievable effects here. You don't have to be like sitting in that porno theater of the mind. You know when it's sometimes a, something really meant a lot to you and it didn't go right, you know, the way you wanted, and then you go home and your head just locks the door and you're in the porno theater and now it represents the situation <laughs> 800 ways, all out of the same system of self-centeredness. It's like Debbie does Dallas about 800 different times. You know, I just watch it. If I would have only done that, but you didn't do that. If I would if I hadn't said that, but you did say that. If I wouldn't have gone there, but you were there. You know what I mean? It's all, it's assumptions have no reality in the dream whatsoever. And yet, but they're... That assumption is like, oh, it could have been different, just, it just, what does it do? It riffs, doesn't it? Like a fucking jazz musician. It riffs, that's what happens. If you take yourself to be this note, the mind places you on its little musical scales somewhere else at some other time and just riffs. It just tells you it didn't have to be this way, but it is this way. <laughs> Said that every I'm telling you it would have been great now. 
It isn't great, but it would have been great, and it isn't great now because you didn't say that thing to that person. The one person, the one person I have always been looking for, I didn't welcome them in my life, and I'll always, from now on, be deeply upset by that. Of course, I'm going to slam the door on anyone else that shows up, so I can be right about that person being the only person. And all this and all that, the mind just, like John Coltrane, just rips. And then you're like sitting there and you can't get up. You can't, you're bitching about it, but you don't, don't get up from the chair. Why? Because the mind loves, it's fascinated with the object that's obsessed over. Yeah? Fascinated with it. In Buddhism they call it cherishing of self. It cherishes it, it loves it, it grooms it, it goes over things over and over again. What if, what if, if only, I should have. It's like little Bobby and Ken dolls. You put on new uniforms. If I should have been a policeman. Look, at, I'd be with Bobby now in this beautiful house. Wait, I should have been a fireman. Oh, no, I should have been a doctor. But I'm just a bum. Oh, see, little cardboard box. No one likes them. Women are walking over them. You see, oh, but if I was a fireman, They'd be climbing up my ladder every night. Yes. But why not? Look. You know, doesn't it happen to you? Doesn't the mind do it? It takes your life and goes over. It's like redressing a doll. Let's see what it would look like in this position. Let's see. Let's see what's up. What's Ken getting up to today? What's What's happening with Barbie? Well, she's fooling around with Bob in the other room. What is that doing to Ken? Ooh. Ken says, if only I would have made more money last year, she'd be here with me. Ooh! Put on a bigger CEO uniform now. Alright, Ken's made it to the top. Now we can have tons of bobbies. Ken, Ken is impervious to anything ever happening to him. He's made it. He's arrived. He's authentically Ken. Take his mood, put something else on. Isn't that mine, does it? It just redresses you every fucking day, doesn't it? You're a loser. You'll never be loved. That's a great one. No one will ever understand me. They'll never realize. <laughs> I was in a thing once. <laughs> oh, this was painful. I was in this, uh, like, an eight-day retreat, a therapeutic retreat. And it was sort of like this a lot of ways. People not, but everyone would be sharing. And there was a lot of women there. And I was in this group. There was 48 of us, but we were broken into three groups. So I was with like a 14-group thing. And so the first day or two, the women were just browbeating all the guys in it. You never recognize our goddessness. We're goddesses. And, and just go on and on and on. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, if I say what I want to say, I'm not going to get any votes these women in this room. And then I said... So when I finally got up, I said, listen. No, I don't want to even go there. <laughs> well, let's just say, I had my had a preconceived idea of how Bobby should look. And they weren't Bobbies. Yes? And I didn't want to break the news to them. Most guys I know weren't going to see them as Bobbies. And that's why no one was recognizing their goddesses, because their goddess was a subjectness. Men were looking at the objectness. Yeah. Not everyone is wrong. 
This is just how people are seeing you as an object, yes? Everyone's being dressed up. The mind's dressing up my friends. I see them as a certain way. Yes? And then the next day I see them. I treat, to keep them uninteresting to me, they basically have the same outfit. Though my closet in my little dollhouse has 80 different ones. I mean, I go through phases every day, but you, that's just dead or great. Yeah? So the spotlight of selfing is always on this one, Ken. Yes? And uh, a few Bobbies, maybe. <laughs> what they can do for this Ken. Yeah? And then there, Greg is Ken, and then Sonny's Ken. You're the Indian version of Ken. Yes? Ken, Seattle version of Ken. And we all have our little dollhouses and everything. All this in the mental realm. Yeah? And the mind is just placing you somewhere else. Ken and Bobby go to Hawaii, let's say, at some other time. And it just thinks about you, doesn't it? And someone's close to you and presents their little dollhouse and their little stories of what Ken and Bob did today. And you're totally bored, aren't you? But yours go back to your little dollhouse. Ken and Bob, look at what Bob's wearing today. Ken, ooh, I polished my sneakers. Did anyone notice? I have white sneakers today. What to do? Totally obsessed. Totally, isn't it? Isn't it incredible? Totally upset. I have total immunity to Greg's Ken and Bobby story. But my Ken and Bobby story is incredibly, endlessly entertaining to my mind. Why is that? Because it's not entertaining at all. It's the MY of it. When the mind is identified with the Ken doll or the Bobby doll, the whole story in Ken and Bobby is a lifelong event. Cherished beyond scope. Yes? The whole story of wanting to be free from it, the obsession with it, is just a fucking story. It really is. Your mind is lapping it up. It's found an object it can be fascinated around. And it places you where? It actually sees you in the afterlife. Some people actually believe heaven will be going to like a golf course. <laughs> and you know, having a motorized thing that never needs gas. And every, always having the correct tea time. And just driving around all day. Everyone is pictured as a body. and Heaven's going to be a bodily place. It's fucking unbelievable. The Ken and Bobby up in the celestial Ken and Bobby dolls. You know? And then the hell Ken and Bobby dolls. You know? But there's always Ken and Bobby everywhere. Why? Because the mind gets fascinated. How does it show its fascination? Thoughts, yes. A thought pops up from the conditioning, met with my, and it's... It, Whistles, tons of other thoughts. They come rocking up and then they circle the object. We said it the other night. Let's say you have running water. Running water. You ever watch it? It's incredible to watch. And it has that one nature where it just finds the easiest way to go down. Yeah? So you're watching this running water and there's currents and you can see it and this and that. But they're all moving. And then, all right, you take this, let's say a rock, and you place it in the running water. Yeah? As soon as you place it in the running water, it changes the current of the water. Yeah? Now some of the water comes, starts going around the rock. And it starts going around. It ch seems to change the course. So instead of life is happening, it's now happening to me as this rock. Yeah? 
And as it gets like this, it creates little pockets where real stagnation occurs. So leaves that were flying down get sucked into it, and then they get stuck, yeah? And then more shit. Little twigs, dead ants, whatever. Things get sucked in, and after a while, you don't even see the water. All you see when you look at the water are the things on top of it that aren't moving. The leaves and the twigs and stuff. So you don't even see the nature of the water anymore. It's not reflecting. What's reflecting back is leaves and this and that. Yeah? And then, so there may be, oh, I really hate this. I really hate this obsession with self. I really hate it. But there's no desire to let go of the rock. If you took the rock out of the water, those things that seem to be un, unbeatable, they keep seemingly circling around you. Without the rock, what would happen? The nature of thoughts would be just their exact nature. They come and go. Yes? It's the rock. The rock in there creates that or makes it. Just like the barnacle. The barnacle needs something solid to grab onto. If you want to see the thoughts that are driving you crazy like barnacles, they need an object to anchor into. They can't picture you as a spirit. There would be no obsession over you as a spirit. It would be... But as an object, the barnacles can find something to anchor in. Yes? And then you may bitch about the barnacles, but the rock is what's giving them their life. So this is like the center of the system that seems, maybe it's maybe you're really happy with it. I don't know. But if it's seeming to cause a discomfort here, an inability to respond and have spontaneity and immediacy, or a lack of, or a sense of, of presence, then something may be occupying that space. Maybe there is an object there that's overriding the sense of the subjectivity of life. Yeah? The seeing, the hearing, feeling, and the tasting, the touching now seem to be issuing from a rock. I'm the one that's seeing. I'm the one that's hearing. We're just asking a simple question, are you that? If you're not that, it'll change the whole direction of the water. You're, it's very difficult to change if you place the rock, and it's, the rock is taken to be a solid thing. It's going to cause the current to orbit around it. And it's going to attract things, and things are going to get caught in that orbit, yes? And they're going to cling on to want the rock. You can't say it's the water's fault, or what's in the water's fault. The rock is the gravitational pull. We're just questioning the rock. If I'm not that, see what will happen. Find out. I believe what will happen is that you'll travel lighter. Won't change the destiny of this life. Whatever's going to supposedly happen to the action figure will may come to pass, but you will travel lighter through it. What more would you want? Like, I can't, as this body I got ran over by a car, that's not going to change, yes? But I can definitely, what could change is how I travel as it. Heavy? As being, this is the excuse of all my failures in life. I I love running, I can't run anymore. I love playing basketball, I can't play basketball anymore. I could put, I could write a great story about what was taken away from me because of this accident. And it would be the focus or the object of my mind's fascination to write a story about how life sucks based on this accident. Or, 
it could be seen as, well, if something was supposed to happen, it did. Yeah? And if it wasn't supposed to happen, it didn't. So that's a done deal. And let's just make the best of it. Why the hell not? So instead of, oh, I can't go swimming, I'll find a way to put on a fin. Yeah? And surf. So, oh, oh. You know, to be right about a story? Fuck. So here, in this experience, this place of experience, you can travel heavy or light. That's the way it goes. It's a dualistic construct. Your experience here is going to be heavy or light. I heard this information. It's all I'm attempting to do here. You have the right to hear it. I don't care what you do with it, but you definitely have a right to hear it. Because when I was, when the identification is placed is set, you don't know you're identified as self. Either grace has to occur, or you're going to have to hear it from some outside source. It's not. You're not going to figure it out. I mean, I was working on spirituality for a long time. I never figured it out. I had to get exhausted by it and start looking in other you know, venues and then I heard this information. And instead of looking for another technique of meditation, I just started to question who's the meditator, yeah? Just started looking at the subjectivity instead of looking from the objectivity. So, you see, I realized that subjectivity wasn't subjectivity. It's a mental process. So when I realized I wasn't that, all those stories, all those ideas, all those beliefs that made me lost their hold over me because the me they were making wasn't me. I lost interest in it. What held all the bondage together was my interest and attention, not the glue. The glue isn't that good. But your interest and attention is like a catalyst to that glue. It really binds you. It's, an, it's a necessary ingredient. The mind, the thought system cannot bind you to its object. But you, yes, consciousness, when identified as the object, will bind itself. And it will be the same consciousness that will unbind itself. By the interest and attention will be withdrawn and will be spent somewhere else in life, other than in this freaking obsession with you all day. It's amazing how much interest and attention is available right where you are. And when it's not beholden to this freaking idea of you, you don't know, unbelievable how it will paint and color your life or the life that you meet here. The senses will get heightened. You'll see beauty where you never saw it before. Because that's your interest and attention is the, is the color of all the paints. It makes a black and white grainy film into a panoramic technicolor vision. 
and I give everything the meaning it has here. Everything. You and I give everything the meaning it has here. If that quality has been captured by this system of self-centeredness, then every meaning is being given to things defined from self. And it's a boring system. It's a boring artist. You see one of his paintings, you've seen them all. <laughs> it's got the same fucking frame over everything. <laughs> So you don't wait for someone to enliven your life. You're the enlivening. Yeah? You don't wait for someone to save you. There's no need to be saved. Yeah? You don't wait anymore. You don't put it off anymore. You don't have to go anywhere. Right now is the invitation. Right now, just as you're not, is the invitation. This moment can't be added onto. It can't be subtracted from. The essence of this moment never changes. Presence is present. There's not a little less presence sometime and a little more presence sometime. Presence is present. But it has a partner here in this place of experience and there's a necessary that you're present. And you as a self will not be present. You're too addicted to time. You're addicted to thoughts about you somewhere else at some other time. It's very difficult for ourself to be here. It's a joke trying to get there. If you're not that, you recognize you're here already. You've never left. Questions, yeah. All right, well, we'll ask the basket here. Yeah.